0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This? with Junior Renee Bobrun. Thank you for tuning in. If you are a first-time listener, I'd like to welcome you to this ongoing conversation that is now in its 81st episode, uh, or 82nd episode. And if you are a uh, returning listener, thank you once again for lending me your ears and allowing me into your mind and uh, partaking in this, in this uh, ongoing dialogue that just seems to be evolving and taking different twists and turns, because you guys out there have been sending me emails, and I'm I'm very encouraged by the feedback because there are new listeners, and that means the 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 regular listeners are now sharing it with new listeners and new listeners are emailing me because people that know me will text me who listen, people that are, that have my, my direct line. And so they're, they they will not be so apt to email. But then when I get emails, I'm realizing, Oh, wait a minute. There's a touch. There are things that are touching people out there. There are certain, you know, key points that are being made. And I really appreciate that. So in keeping with that, if you, if you out there have any questions, concerns, suggestions, kudos, uh, critiques, inquiries about media inquiries, collaborations, interviews, sponsorship opportunities, chiching, anything of that nature, please feel free to email me at whoseworldisthis21 at gmail.com. Or you can send me a message on Instagram as well. Follow our page and send me a DM at whose world is this? 2021. And whose world, whose is W H O S E? Okay, not W H S or W H apostrophe S. No, it's W H O S E. So it's whose world is this? OK, so definitely reach out. I really appreciate the uh, the conversations. We're going to kind of touch on that a little bit as we move forward. Uh, definitely check out Chavez dot com. That's one of our main sponsors. That's Chavez with an S, C H A V E S house.com House dot com for your journal needs, your travel diary needs, your fitness log needs, your Uh, how-to success blueprint for self-publishers, which was number one in its genre. You can go on Amazon, too. I can direct you to Amazon and type in Chavez House Publishing in the search engine, and you look for all materials that are authored by Lenore Batista, and that's when you know that you have reached ChavezHouse.com. I will be doing something on Chavez House uh, most likely before the end of the year. We're still working that out. I actually had a great book idea and I've pretty much run out of things to say about a particular idea. And I don't know if it's enough to actually make a book. So I have this other idea that I think runs parallel to it. And maybe I'm going to find a way to sort of, you know, combine it and then see if I can get a whole book out of these two ideas. I don't know. We'll see. But um, I'm working on it. But that blueprint helps. It helps. So if you have any ideas about printing, if about writing a cookbook, poetry, just short story, long story, you have your own how to book you want to do a travel whenever your experiences, whatever, uh, maybe uh, poems or letters written by parents to children or your ancestry, whatever you want to do, you know, you got to have a plan. And this is very, very important. So get that how to book or get the decorative notebooks, or get the gratitude journal, or get the uh, the decorative notebooks and the travel logs. Get something, please. In any case, uh, what are we going to talk about today? That last episode I did, I find very important. I did the Who's in Your Village episode, which I tried in my amateurish attempt to tie in a whole host of things that I feel are interconnected, and I try to interweave them. A lot of ingredients, so we spoke about in Who's in Your Village. If you're a first time listener, please feel free keep listening to this. But I would like you to listen to the last episode. It encompasses a lot of what we speak about here. It's almost a it's a culmination to a degree of of many many different ideas that I've spoken about from episode one to that episode. And um, it's an important one. It could have gone on even longer. I actually mentally cut it short. Well, I feel it was short, even though it's over an hour. But it was important. And it's sort of in keeping with what we're going to talk about today. There's a lot of information that I have in my head right now that I've just, that I'm pulling out from different areas. And I want to share it with you. Because like I said, this is an ongoing conversation. And the emails that I've gotten about what I said via the last episode people had to remind me because when I do an episode is one big sneeze is had And how many of us remember our sneezes, you know, at the moment, it's like, whew, but afterwards you kind of move on into another space because I'm a sponge. So when you squeeze out that sponge, now I'm absorbing new information. So when people remind me, it jolts me to go, ah, oh, yes, I did speak about that because I live with these things that, that I say, but I'm also move. I also move on simultaneously. I'll say something and I'm moving on to the next thing. It's not that it's not it's not that it's uh, I'm not uh, uh, thinking or it's not thoughtful things that I'm saying. I'm not just ranting and moving on. But what I'm saying is after I say a thing and I do an episode because it's not rehearsed, because this is a spontaneous conversation to a degree or let's say you have a friend. And you hear about something, you go, I can't wait to speak to such and such about it. And you get on the phone with a friend or you or you link up with them in in some way, shape or form. That's what this is. You know, so when I call it an ongoing conversation, because y- you don't rehearse a conversation with your friend, you be like, hey, I got something I'm going to talk to you about when you get a moment. That's what this is. You know, and, um, sometimes you, you, you'll talk to your friend again, be, Hey, remember when you said such and such, and you'll go, uh, you well, not really. Yeah. What are, what were we talking about? And then when that person starts to, uh, jog your memory, then you go, yeah, I remember et cetera, et cetera. So that's very, very important. That's what we do here as well. So people were, um, talking to me about some of the things that I spoke about in your village. Cause I spoke about parenting. I spoke about, um, um, W- w- value systems etc but before we get started i'd like to say happy international workers day which was on may 1st we are still in the first week of may 2022 and i would like to give a special special acknowledgement to all of those workers out there who are, who celebrated may day Workers' Day or International Workers' Day because we speak a lot about the eight-hour work day in America and how we got here. And I've spoken about it, I think, one of my Labor Day episodes last year, we spoke about it. I'm not entirely sure if I did a May Day episode l- last year. I, if I didn't, I apologize. But most of the people listening to, to this uh, platform are if they're not workers, they remember when they were workers. OK, I I have a whole host of business owners and entrepreneurs, which I am one of in that class as well. But I'm also someone who knows labor. I have been a worker more than I've been an owner. OK, I've been on the worker side and even as an entrepreneur and even as a business owner, I've owned brick and mortar businesses. I've owned online businesses. I've owned consulting service oriented businesses, even with that, I am aligned with worker rights and worker dignity. And a lot of what we speak about on this platform has to deal with capital, how we distribute. Now, am I speaking about a redistribution of wealth, et cetera, et cetera? No. And if I were, there are a lot of nuances to the distribution of wealth. Does that mean more stock options for employees? Yeah. Does it mean this more more than just a, a, a pizza gift card if, if you do well in your, in your allotted 40-hour work week? Okay, maybe more. But the fight for the eight-hour work day led to blood, sweat, and tears because it was a 60-hour work week at one point at 10 hours per day. The only day that workers were getting off in the United States was Sunday. And Sunday was only because that was the day because we live in a we lived in a Protestant nation or a Christian nation. That's the day that the Lord, the Judeo Christian Lord, rested. So you get to rest too, or spend your whole Sunday in church. So the fight for that eight hour workday was starting in the 1800s late 1800s people singing and crying and hoping for that 8-hour workday and they were met with resistance from late from capital from business from the business class resistance in the fo- and resistance is a very sanitized way of saying that to break up the unions and to break up employee rights and to bl- break up employee strikes the ownership class hired police they hired thugs They hired mercenaries and they, 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 they subverted union movements in every way they could. They shot, they killed, they kidnapped, they beat up and injured workers looking to just go from 10 hours a day to eight. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it's a continuation of when I was speaking about who's in your village Who's in your village? Because I was reading a report, um, very accurate report. Actually, I pay attention a lot to politics. I mean, well, I pay attention to the stats. So for me, politics, politics, and then there's political theater. There's a huge difference. People think it's the same. It's really not. Uh, Political theater is a debate. That's political theater. Political theater is what your candidate says on the campaign trail to a certain degree. It's political theater because everyone knows or, or the old saying goes how you campaign and how you preside, how you campaign for an office and how you preside over an office are two totally different things. It's like interviewing for the job you want and getting the job you want or studying for the job you want and actually working that job. I've had plenty of jobs that have said to me, forget what they taught you in school about what they, they told you. Forget what the, even the training video of this job told you about this job. So the, even the HR video that I was given, you know, prior to my first day, well, even let's say my first day was training videos. And then all of a sudden I get actually on to the actual job, of doing the job. And guess what? You have your immediate supervisor or employees and peers saying, yeah, 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 remember those training videos? You might as well forget that. That's, that's just, you know, compliant stuff and forget about all that because that's not how, what we do here. That's not what keeps the lights on in this building and that's not what's going to get you paid and keep you paid. And you go, oh, oh okay. I know lawyers who say to 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 newly graduated law students, forget about what they told you in law school. That's not how there's a difference between graduating from law school and lawyering. Because no one tells lawyers that it's a sales position. (laughs) Bing, ding. That's for everyone out there. No one tells lawyers that being a lawyer is a sales position. But anyway, moving on back to politics. So me, politics is about statistics. Politics is about the diver- of how things are dispersed. I was taught years ago, taking my political science classes, that politics is how the cookies are dispersed. Who gets the cookies on their plate? That's politics. Everything else is colored bubbles. Everything else is 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 is, is, is theater. People protesting this, but not protesting that. People people voting against their interests because you're voting with your emotions. Where are the cookies? That's why the people who know the most about politics are the business class. The business class knows politics because the business class is looking for a return on their money. They spend a significant amount of dollars, not just going to vote on the third or on the fourth or on the midterm elections or etc. cetera. That's not what they do. They spend all year. They have lobbyists camped out in Washington constantly paying for dinners, paying for vacation junkets, paying for political campaigns and donating because they want to see a return, a tangible return on the monies that they're spending. They want the legislation to reflect tangibly what, what they want. And the people on the ground who are dealing in their emotions, the average worker, is not thinking as themselves as a business, which is what they should. And your business is the as the body politic, as the one person, one vote, you should be looking for tangibles, true to life tangibles. Reason why I'm bringing this up is where is the conversation about economic justice in America in 2022? Where is that conversation? This country in the turn of the, in the turn of the uh, century in the, in the uh, the turn to of the 20th century, going into the 1900s, there were several dozen, if not several hundred, labor parties in America that pushed America from the 10-hour work day, from the 60-hour work week to the 8-hour work day and the 48-hour work week. And then subsequently, after that, Henry Ford decided to say, "Hey, let's give people a Saturday off as well." And he and the, and the other industrialists, the bankers and the, all the people that have their names on banks till today was calling for Henry T. Ford's head. Henry Ford, the maker of the Ford motor, motor car, said, hey, why don't we give them Saturday off as well? And it was like, oh, my gosh, what, 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 productivity in America is going to go down the tube. So we need to work our workers. You, you, you mean two days off? Are you kidding me? So we went from 60 hours to 48 hours to 40 hours, which was the great compromise. All of these sick days and PTOs that you have were the great compromises due to the activity of the labor movement in America. Americans used to be well-versed in economic justice. Well-versed. But nowadays we have gotten so mired in identity politics Especially those on the left, the people on the uh, those who are on the right love identity politics. Do not everyone out there who's fighting the culture war right now in, in in politics? Listen to me clearly. Those of many of my friends who who are on the right, and the right has been considered pro business and anti worker. They like the way things are. Okay, they they don't they don't like unions. Unions means union means higher labor. Uh, costs. Higher labor wages means that shareholders going to have to divvy up less money. They don't like that. Less capital for them. Less profit for them. Keep wages stagnant so we can get more money on the top at the top. So the right wing, as much as you watch Fox News and they're like, oh, they're taking God out of the schools. They're, they're inviting LGBTQ RSTU They love the talk from the left. Why? Because the further you get away from the conversation about economic justice, we're all going to go along with these stagnant wages. I've seen jobs on Indeed in 2022 that have the exact same hourly wage amount as they had for that same job 10 years ago, 10 years ago, if not further back than that sometimes even further back than 10 years, 15 years ago, for the same job. Meanwhile, like I said in the last episode, not one thing you have right now besides a can of Arizona iced tea, which is still, God knows how, 99 cents. Somebody needs to, I might have to do a whole special on how the Arizona iced tea can. I walked into a gas station the other day. Went there they went to go get a, uh, a juice and uh, get some gas, get a juice, whatever. And I saw the Arizona can sitting there for 99 cents. And I was saying to myself, My gas is $5 a gallon, okay, a couple of weeks ago. And everything in that gas station cost more than it did this time last year. But the Arizona iced tea, for as long as I can remember, (laughs) is still 99 cents. But besides the Arizona iced tea can, every single last thing in your life right now, from housing prices... Food costs, cell phone prices, uh, your gas, your car, everything is up, up 20, 30, 40%. Meanwhile, your wages have been stagnant over the last 40 years. And the right loves that conversation. They love the conversation about, oh, we're not being included enough because you're hearing diversity, inclusion and equity. But the wrong E is economics, EJ, economic justice. No one's talking about it. So while everyone is muck and mire, is stuck in the muck and mire of, of who's getting included in the same system and the same modus operandi and the same economic inequality, you know, uh, no one's talking about, wait, work-life balance. Hey, guess what you're going to have to do? Work life balance means that eight hour work day is going to have to be reduced. As a matter of fact, the word balance sort of means 50 50, right? Equity. When you hear the word equitable, equity, a lot of times you're trying to get everyone on the middle. So if we're really going to start talking about equity and work life balance, where the scales are balanced, shouldn't we talk about? Not only shortening the work day, but shortening the work week. Not four on and three or five days consecutively working and only two days off. Should it be maybe four days consecutively working and three days off? Dare I say, should you be working three and a half days and off? Three and a half days? If there are 24 hours in a day, shouldn't we all be getting out at maybe, I don't know, 1 p.m., 2 p.m.? So every man, woman, and child in this country can enjoy peak sunlight in a country that has a major vitamin D deficiency. Why do we have a vitamin D deficiency in America? You get it straight from the sun. Most of Americans have, live in states, as a matter of fact, what, outside of the Pacific Northwest, you, have, you, you, you are bountiful in sunshine in this country. Meanwhile... When do you get to get peak sun? Let's think about that for a minute. Let's let's everybody break everything down to brass tacks. We live in a country where we are ingesting most of the psychotropic drugs in the United States. Right? We make up, what, 5% of the world's population, but we're ingesting more than half of the psychotropic drugs and when I say psychotropic, that means the antidepressants, that also means the narcotics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We are the number one consumer of drugs on the planet, but we don't make up the largest populations. Why is that? Hmm? Americans might be a bit overworked, and the idea of being, you know, a potential millionaire s- starts to go out the window every time you look at your paycheck and you look at how many hours you put in to a job that's that, who's w- w- with your wages that haven't uh, 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 been adjusted for inflation in more than 40 years, since the late 70s, what? But everything else has gone up, tuition prices, you have to borrow to get an education and most of that education isn't worth the paper it's printed on if you're not going for gold collar occupations like accounting, engineering, law, medicine, right? Or high ranking IT jobs, if you get a bachelor's or a master's in marketing, good luck. Good luck with that $40,000 a year job while you owe about $60,000, 80000 Good luck if you studied early childhood education and you have to work at the school. Then you have to go home and grade papers for free, by the way. You don't get paid for that time you're home grading papers. You don't get paid for that time that you're working on curriculums and that you're grading test scores and, and, and writing out great and doing Projects. I can't count how many teachers that I knew were actually digging in their own pockets for school supplies when I was a youngster. Okay? These people are watching our children out there. My niece, my nephew, my little cousins, and whatever. These are the people that we entrust, but we haven't found a way to pay them a decent wage so they can live with a certain level of dignity. So that's why I'm bringing up this May day, May 1st. In remembrance and observance of all the workers who were shot, who were killed, who were blacklisted, blackballed, exiled, marginalized, incarcerated, assassinated, ostracized from our society looking to get a decent wage, looking to get a dignified day. In a country where vitamin D can can metabolize your, 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 your serotonin levels to the point where you can have a more happy, or fruitful day. Every single last person should be out of work if you're an employee by one, two o'clock in the afternoon so you can go out there and enjoy peak sun. But instead, you leave your house at seven eight in the morning while the sun is just barely rising, and then you get home when the sun is about to set, and you hope to get peak sun on a Saturday or a Sunday. It's perverse. I'm sorry. When I go to, and I remember, guys, I lived in Europe for about a year. So all of a sudden, during peak sun, guess what they're doing over there? Shops are closed, people are outside eating. Okay? I was out there on the Piazza de España, and there were men in business suits with guitars out on their lunch break eating a pizza and just serenading, just random businessmen and businesswomen were tanning. And I'm sitting there going, what's going, are these, these aren't tourists because they're not wearing tourist clothing, but they shut down during peak sun so people can go eat with their families or go outside for two, three hours out of the day. And then they can go back to work and, and finish up what they started in the morning if they so chose what and i was like yeah this is kind of yeah this makes sense and even before i went to europe i'm not saying the european model is the greatest model i'm just saying that as far as as human beings are concerned you're giving an inordinate amount of 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 your time your equity your your the golden parts of your day and the golden parts of your life when you're 65, 70 years old, those aren't your golden years. Your golden years are in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, and 50s, 20s. are your golden years. And if your vitality is just being given to employment and and, 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 and not to your enjoyment, because most work is grunt work. People say, oh, yeah, you got to find what you do, find what you love, got to find what you love. But while you're trying to find what you love, you also got to find food, clothing and shelter and deal with the basic necessities. So, yeah, (laughs) find what you love and do what you love and be passionate. So you never work a day in your life because you love what you do and you do what you love. (sighs) I got it. However, Somebody's got to dig the ditches. Somebody's got to jack the hammer. Somebody's got to unclog the toilets. Somebody's got to do this the stuff that just wants to be done and they're not going to be on fire about it. Somebody's got to get rid of the rodents and the little buggers. They're not, not going to be on fire about it. Sometimes at best you can just tolerate the work you do. So while you're trying to find that passion project, that that touchstone, that that thing that ignites you every day and keeps you up at night because you're just on fire about it, you can't wait for the next day to begin, so you're just up working it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But before you find out, you still got to you still got to feed yourself. You still got to put peanut butter and bread and potatoes and eggs and milk into the refrigerator, refrigerator. Right. You still have to keep a domicile over your head. So you're not pushing a shopping cart full of your uh, most valued uh, possessions. Correct. You still have to put clothes on your back and afford soap and have a place that actually has a, a an indoor plumbing system where the water comes out in within the and, privacy of these four walls and there's a door with a lock on it so when you're out when you are showering you're not vulnerable to nefarious characters right right so what i'm saying is when i look at all of this talk about what we're going to put in the school and what we're going to teach little third graders about their bodies and you're cisgender you're gender bender you're bruce jenner you're not gendered you're gendered engendered meanwhile there's no talk about economic justice all those movements from the 18 and 1900s have all but dispersed. We had a little scant conversation back in 2010, 2011, I'm sorry, 2011, the 99% versus the one. Quick conversation, the Occupy movement. Quick conversation that, that, that um, dated back to, to more sophisticated conversations that were happening in the 18 and 1900s. Those unionized, we have the least amount of unionized labor in the United States in the last 100 years. Right now, we have the least amount of union labor, the least unionized employment in the last 100 years. And what's happened because of that? The great union-busting Ronnie, union-busting Reagan, and the rest of them, soon as the New Deal occurred under FDR, capital and ownership class went to work dissecting went to work dissecting and breaking down the unions and the Democratic Party and the people on the left are now, because they get just as much donation money from big business as the right does, they do their level best, whether it's a Hillary, whether it's a Barack, whether it's a Biden, they do their level best not to have that conversation about labor. So it's about who's gonna be the first person to do this, yeah, first person to do what? To be recruited into the same j- injustice system? Wonderful. Is it really progress because you decided to hire someone who's gay into the system? Someone who's black? Someone who's female? Someone who's fluid? So what? So Who cares who's pulling the trigger if the trigger's still being pulled? If the, if the whole idea is to stop that trigger from being pulled on economic injustice, who cares? Oh, now, oh, I get to pull it now. It's my turn. You guys have been pulling it for the last hundreds of years, you white male patriarchs. You guys have been pulling the trigger. Now it's our turn. Now it's the black guy's turn or the black woman's turn or the Hispanic woman's turn or the white woman's turn or the homosexual's turn or the gender fluid binaries turn. To pull the same trigger? What if the whole idea is to make sure that trigger is not being pulled? Where are we on that? Because when I read up on the May, when I read up on May Day and I go, my God, we're dealing with the same topics. You have people now talking about the great resignation. People are trying to have a, another kind of conversation about labor, about their employment, about wages about work-life balance. And it's like we've dealt with more than 100 years of an antiquated work day and an antiquated work week and an antiquated distribution of labor v. capital. And the conversation is still in its infancy as far as being common dialogue. And both sides of your political elite Want it that way. That's why you rarely hear me speak on these little identity politic items. And I get back to the macro. That affect us all. If you notice that all of these touchstone items they want us to speak about. Oh, look what happened with Juicy Smoulier. And oh, this one lied about this. And oh, this one lied about that. And this girl is doing this. And the woman is doing that. And the ma- No, 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 no. I deal with family macro whether you're living here or you're living in Uganda or you're living in the Netherlands or you're living in Mexico or Alaska, Hawaii, New York, Boston, Massachusetts, Buffalo, doesn't matter. Philly, doesn't matter. Cambodia, Thailand. The idea of capital v. labor is a global issue and it's a global conversation. And when I go overseas, I go to the Caribbean, I go to Europe, I go to the places, how well-versed people are. About that conversations about labor and capital and the distribution. When I speak to people in Europe, of friends of mine in France, who are talking about paternity leave and maternity leave, and how the you know how the employee pushed government to these things, and the conversation that's being had over how many emails a, 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 an employer can send you after a certain time, so you are not tethered to your labor all of these conversations that America is just now having. But every time I turn around, the conversation is not about the struggles and gains of, uh, of, uh, um, of economic justice, the struggles, the trials, the travails and the triumphs. That's where the conversation is. And, the, and it's the reason why a few episodes ago when I was speaking about women are now going to be in the driver's seat, had that conversation Remember that? Give me one second. Uh, ah, Limewater, good for you. The conversation about 51% of medical students are, identify as female. 51% of law students as of, tw- as of 2022 identify as female. So that's two of the gold-collar professions in the United States. So that means it stands to reason that within the next couple of years, the majority of new lawyers And the majority of new doctors are going to be female. They're going to be women. I'm going to call them women. Okay, not identify as female. Women. Women who will eventually, many of them, want to start nuclear families. Most of them will. Most of them will want to be wives and mothers. And the mother is the first teacher, first nurse, first cook, first counselor... Of the child. So that means. That now. Within the next 10 years. This next decade of 2022 to 2032. Women who are holding them. Will be holding some of the most influential positions. In America. The law being lawyers and doctors. That means. They will be at the forefront of the work-life balance conversation. They will be the ones that will say, hey, listen, we have senators, we have HR managers, we have VPs of operation, we have all the presidents and CEOs. It is time as of right now to start having the conversation about the shorter work day, the shorter work week, the maternity leave, the paternity leave, more vacation days, more mental health days, even a shorter school day. So the mom gets out at 1, 2 p.m., so does the child. So does the dad. Man, woman, and child getting to go outside in nature during peak sun. Maybe even invest in a European model where uh, you have a siesto two, three hours long. Maybe. It's a little bit more difficult to do that in this country because in this country you have what we call super commuters, where so many people are driving 90 minutes or more to get to work. New York City is the number fourth, has the the fourth largest population of people who are traveling at least 90 minutes to get to their job. Now, think about that for a moment. If it's taking you an hour and a half to get there, and an hour and a half to get home. And in between, you're working eight hours. What's that? Anybody want to do the math? It's about 11 hours. That's not counting the time it takes you to get ready and prepared to go to work. So that's about, let's just give or take now. If it's taking you, so if there's fourth, New York City, where I'm from, born and raised, the other, other, almost every place else in the top 10 was in California. But New York City, where I'm from, Top four largest population of what they call super commuters. That is people who are traveling over 90 minutes to get to one way. An hour and a half. So that means getting there's an hour and a half, getting homes, an hour and a half. That's three hours. Just to get to the three hours, just to get to and from. And then you got to work eight. It's about 11 hours. Then you got to get ready for that. So that's about a half hour. So that's 12 hours. How many hours in a day again? You know my math. Not Math wasn't my subject. I'm a liberal arts major. So what's, 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 what's 24 hours? What's 24, what's 24 divided by two? 12. Oh, so half of your day is being spent either getting prepared to, going to, working, and getting home from. And then by the time you get home, you're scrambling, trying to put some food on the table, trying to have a quote-unquote work-life balance, and then get ready to do the same thing again. Interesting. So has the work day actually been reduced when most people can't even afford to live in these urban centers due to stagnant wages? So you have to live further and further and further away from where you work and your job is further and further and further away from your village. Man, where are we with that? And I've been saying it for a minute. You got to pay me to get to work. Pay me. Pay me to get to work. Getting to work is work. Pay me for that 30 minutes or 60 minutes it takes to get to work at the very least. Getting to work on time is work. It may sound crazy to you, but I remember when I had an attorney, an attorney, I got on the phone with my lawyer just just having a conversation. I got billed for it. I was billed. There are certain jobs where you get paid per half pay paid per mile of you working like paid. Oh, wait, uh, here's my gas bill for the month. I mean, for the week. And here's my things so tax deduction in some way, shape or form, a worker should be compensated for the amount of time it takes them to get to work, to get ready for work, because you can't just roll out of bed and be at your job. So if there's a commute involved and I have to get dressed, so the 30 minutes it takes for me to get dressed and the 30 minutes it takes for me to get there at the very least, I should get paid for that hour. When I start speaking like this, people think I'm crazy. But guess what? Those people who lost their lives during the Haymarket riots in the 1800s, in the 1880s, 1880, I think it was 1884 or something like that. I can't remember the year. Okay. Those people were considered crazy too. And that's why they were getting shot and killed. Right. It was 1886, I think. Right. People were getting shot. People were getting, uh, like I said, when, you, when you, you know you're speaking truth to power and you know you're on the side of righteousness when you get assassinated, incarcerated, ostracized, marginalized, or exiled, that's when I know who's truly speaking the truth or not. Are you exiled, ostracized, marginalized, incarcerated, or assassinated? Not every time you do that, you are on the side of justice because sometimes you deserve to be incarcerated. you go going to jail. But when, I, when someone calls themselves a quote-unquote quote unquote, Speaking to the power, or an actual political activist of some repute, and they say that they're speaking on behalf of the people. I look to see if the power structure is rewarding you or not. Are you being penalized or rewarded by the power structure? And I'll be able to tell who's who. It's like Harry Truman said, if you get rich while being in politics, you're a crook. And if you claim that you're an activist and you speak on behalf of poor people or the people that are a part of the working class and you seem to find a way to get rich and get wealthied and propertied off of these movements, then how do you get rich, wealthy, and propertied when the people that you are looking out for represent the voiceless, the powerless, and the people that are practically penniless? You're a crook. You're a crook. So that's my metric I use. Exile, incarceration, ostracization, assassination, or incarceration. Right, got it. You either get exiled, marginalized, ostracized, incarcerated, or assassinated, some way, shape, or form. In there, that's my five-point plan. When I, I noticed, okay, what's going on with them? How would they? And I noticed the left wing in America today doesn't represent. When I when when I say my politics leans left, it doesn't lean new 2022 woke American left. My politics, my left-leaning politics is sort of part of the, what I would want to (sighs) call, when I want to say pre-Marxian left, you know, I'm worker rights. I think a lot of, I'm part of the worker rights movement left. Why side with labor? I look at how capital is distributed. I look at how wealth is accumulated through exploitation, and I go, Eep. And, I, and, I, and I point that out like the giants of yesteryear. And um, because of that, when I notice, when I speak to people now that call themselves democratic socialists and claim that they're woke and claim that they're, I'm not woke. Don't ever call me woke. I am aware. I am awake. I've been awake. I was born awake, not asleep. I'm aware. Okay. But I'm not woke, and the woke generation cannot have a conversation about economic justice. And the ch- and the and the cajillion class, which I don't mind being a part of at some point in time. Uh, the billionaire class, uh, which I wouldn't mind. Who wouldn't mind making a billion dollars? But how I'd get there? A mi- the millionaire class. I could see myself being there in a relatively short period of time from today to there, but. If my only way of getting there is absolutely exploiting a worker, then that wouldn't be just and I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I would have to find more equitable ways to deal with my labor class. This generation of, 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 of political activists don't have an idea of economic justice. That's why the, the elitist liberal left loves them. That's why you get to see all these hashtags emblazoned and everything is about racial justice. And here I am. I'm uh, I tell people all the time I side with Malcolm X and the Black Panthers. I'm not apologetic when I say that many of the things that Malcolm X espoused, I agree with not everything, but many of the things. I'm a Pan-Africanist. I have a, a, a left leaning worker rights political Uh, 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 A philosophy. That's where I lean. The Panthers were right. As far as I'm concerned. They believed in self-sustaining self-governance. They believed in the right to bear arms Now, you explain to me the Black Panther Party. If you look at their ethos and you show me what what the right wing speak about today, and that's identical politics. Not identity politics, identical politics, if you break it down the brass tacks. So you're not listening to some sort of Herman Keynesian, rest in peace, econo- uh, economics here. You're speaking to someone who was in the line of many, many, many of what would cons- some people consider the radical left. And I don't consider that radical at all. But what they did was they were forcing the liberal establishment at their time to have a real conversation about politics that was going on on the ground. And many, many parts of the liberal elite didn't want to have that. The establishment elite, the professors, the, um, the authors, the actors that represented the millionaire class that wanted to speak for the people that, but not be of the people and couldn't speak for the people because they're not living the people's existence. They had, they had so much more to lose and the people on the ground had nothing more to lose. They lost it all. They don't have stable housing. They have income insecurity, housing insecurity, food insecurity everything was insecure they had nothing more to lose and they were losing their dignity so they're out there on front street with banners and placards and molotov cocktails and slogans meanwhile some millionaires sitting there going yeah i'm 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 with the people shut up and just give them money give them galvanize help them organize not just give them money help them organize fund their struggle stop trying to be on front street and being some sort of avant-garde adv- a- activist Advocate, get in the background, get in the bra- background. You lend your voice, but you better be lending more money than words. And so right now, guess what? It's happening again. When MLK said, if we can't integrate our coffee counters and in our, in our diners in America, then why should we be integrating a military to go fight o- other colored people in Vietnam? Once Mar- MLK called for an ultimatum that black people should not be fighting and dying in wars overseas abroad when they should be fighting here. He was speaking on behalf of the people, the people on the ground, young black boys were saying that he was getting booed everywhere he was going because people said, you're not speaking for us. You're speaking for those, the platitudes that the polite society that's funding you, but this is what's going on. They're drafting us to go fight over there, but Chicago's on fire. New York is on fire. Southern California is on fire. Mississippi is on fire. Texas is on fire. But yet they want us to get involved in firefights over there when we're on fire over here. That conversation led to many, many, many of MLK's donors and do-gooder liberal donors to boycott him, to blacklist him. The Washington Post was saying he needs to stay in his lane. They called them all types of names. I'll get to that one of these days. Get back to that. If you read the reports on what. um, The newspaper said about MLK after his beyond Vietnam speech when he was. um, it, It was abhorrent. However, that's what happens when you're speaking about real justice on the ground. You get marginalized and ostracized. Remember part of that five point matrix he was getting marginalized and ostracized they were pushing him out of the mainstream saying he's lost touch he's getting outside of his wheel okay he's he's a talking baboon he's talking about things he doesn't know anything about stick to your race causes don't get outside of that don't start speaking about economic justice and geopolitics relax this is the tree we're going to allow you to swing on pun intended Okay, swing on this tree, but don't 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 try to let go of that branch and go, 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 go swing on that other branch. No, 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 no. And so when I listened to the conversations that was happening between Hillary and Donald, Joe Biden and Donald, uh, 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 Barack and Mitt Romney and all of these conversations, I said to myself, none of these in the political theater realm of debating and campaigning, nobody's talking about economic justice. No one is speaking about the work-life balance. Every time I see an article about work-life balance that doesn't speak about reducing the work day from eight hours to about five hours. To make sure that each and every single imp- your day, whatever time it starts, it should be ending around one, two o'clock in the afternoon. If you want people to come in earlier, work that out. But you should be able to take... Advantage of peak sunshine as a human being. Peak vitamin D. You shouldn't have to go to your local pharmacy store and get get a vitamin D supplement. Hmm? You don't live in Siberia. You're in the United States of America. 50 plus states with sunshine almost all year round. Even if it's cold outside. What are we talking about? But yet that conversation doesn't arise. Economic justice. More vacation days. Paternity and maternity leave paid for. We're not having this conversation. We're having a little conversation about student loan debt, etc., etc. But no one's having the conversation about a moratorium on the size of these student loans to begin with. And college tuition in America. Now, you can go forgive the, the debts, please, by all means, if Mr. President Joe Biden wants to forgive my student loan, by all means, forgive that loan. But what's unforgivable is how much it costs to be a student in this country. Are we going to have that conversation? So cancel debt, cancel debt, hashtag cancel debt. Yeah, that's great. Um, But what's up with these prices, though? Hmm. What's going on with these colleges offering degrees in actual industries that don't exist? You're going to get a Ph.D. in organizational leadership statistics and macro. What long winded titles of people that don't do a thing? What? And you're going to what, 70, 80, 90, 100 thousand dollars worth of what? But yet people will go, well, June, you know, you know, it's a free choice. You know, if you decide to go to school for something like that, then that's completely on on them, you know. I'm saying it shouldn't even be offered because it's not real to begin with. It should follow another model that we're we're teaching things that can actually be used in the marketplace, outside of liberal arts. Liberal arts, I love liberal arts. I think the liberal arts teaches you how to think. If you're debating Nietzsche, but I think liberal arts should be taught from seven years old. Descartes and Kant and Nietzsche and Aquinas and Jung and the rest of them should all be Foucault- Everyone should be Engels, Marx, Smith, Ricardo, Bakunin. They all should be taught for dummies. You have Socrates for kids, Foucault for kids, Descartes for kids, Aquinas for kids. Kids should be taught critical thinking and philosophy Six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. By the time they reach 13, 14, 15 years old, these kids, like, like it used to be, people used to get their PhDs in their 20s. Back in uh, the 1800s, 1700s, because the things that you were taught, the geometry, the mathematics, the philosophies, the linguistics, the sciences, the S, the stem of its day was taught early and early and earlier because you get that child up until its seventh birthday, you can, you can pour a lot into a child through repetition between ages zero through seven. There are a whole lot of baby geniuses out there that are not allowed to reach their full genius because they want us to be 18, 19 year old voting fools, fighting fools, driving fools, borrowing fools. By the time you're ready to vote, fight for God and empire, drive and borrow money, you are a fool in this country, an 18 year old idiot. Idiot. In America, you don't know where your state capital is. I'm not speaking hyperbolically, people. There have been studies that have shown that the average high school student can't even name capitals. They don't know capitals and they don't know capitalism. They don't know capitalism from socialism. They think socialism is something that you might need antibiotics for. Like, oh, man, you got socialism. Man, dude, you need to go check that out, bro. You need to, you need to like go, 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 go. Is it, does it itch? Does it burn? Yeah. Uh, no, nah, I don't know. They don't even know. It's either something they have no idea about, or it's something that's been demonized, or it's the thing to be. Yeah. I'm a democratic socialist. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Uh, who's the progenitors of democratic socialist movements in your country? Where's its origins? Um, Right. So all this talk about identity politics—everyone wants to be included. It's like I can't remember who came up with that slogan. I don't know if it was MLK who says everyone is trying to get integrated into a burning house. Was that MLK or Malcolm? Everyone's trying to get integrated into an injustice system. Integrated into a burning house. Everybody's knocking on the door. Let me in. I'm black or I'm brown and I'm indigenous or I'm—I mean—I'm I'm I'm a homosexual indigenous gender fluid orange person and let me in. But I'm not hearing the talk. This diversity, inclusion, equity conversation, the equity, you know, the equity gets lost. What does that mean? What does that look like? How come that conversation isn't so loud? You want to know why that conversation isn't so loud? Who's going to report it? Big major legacy media companies are going to allow that conversation to occur on their airwaves so their employees can ask for more. So the people that are cleaning the the, the the washrooms at 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 your major at your major news stations are gonna say, Hey, I want more money and I wanna work a couple of less hours. I wanna I wanna, you know, let's have another kind of conversation. I think we should be unionized. What? Uh uh-uh. uh. It's not gonna happen the very same people that you're getting your news from whether your news leans quote unquote left or it leans quote unquote right regardless of what they're playing the exact same game because they're getting money from the exact same donors that want to keep the conversation exactly where it is so the more we talk about who gets to use what toilet the less we speak about that's two to three minutes that's not being spent on how our workday is being divvied and how archaic the eight hour workday is, how archaic the 40 hour work week is, how archaic only getting two weeks vacation if you're lucky is, how archaic not having a federally mandated paternity and maternity leave, how archaic still having the federal minimum wage at $7.25 an hour, regardless of what other states are doing to boost it up to $15 an hour. Awesome. But guess what? That minimum wage is $15 an hour. There are many, many employers that are paying their college graduates that. Now, the minimum wage is for someone who just got their high school equivalency, a diploma, high school diploma, a GED. You did, quote unquote, the bare minimum. You're 18 years old. You're legally allowed to work under law. You have your high school diploma. Here's the minimum wage, $15, $16 an hour. Okay, that means that the college graduate who did more than the dot, dot, dot minimum should be getting more than the dot, dot, dot minimum. So if you're getting 15 and I went to school, I borrowed money, I went and got a degree from a university. I did everything they asked of me. You shouldn't be getting the dot, dot, dot minimum. Mr. or Miss College graduate who's coming out of school getting 15, 20 bucks an hour. You should be getting dot, dot, dot at least 10 to $12 more per starting. Just saying. This conversation gets bandied about amongst websites and stuff, but I don't hear it being part of the twitter verse even though i don't have a twitter account I, but but you know i i know you know what's going on because everyone i know is on twitter so they keep me abreast and informed and i look through the through, through the internet i look through the web the worldwide wild wild web and i go yeah this conversation isn't happening it's not happening we're more concerned with oh well you know such and such said such and such and that's transphobic or that's homophobic or that's misogynist or that's toxically masculine or that's, that's, uh, 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 you know, uh, that that's hypergram. That's this, Oh, Will Smith. But I don't hear it. I don't hear it. And if we're not having that conversation and we're doing great disservice to ourselves and we're doing great disservice to the future generations, they're going to look at us and be like, mom, dad, uncle, auntie, grandpa, grandma, you dropped the ball. You dropped the ball. You didn't do a thing that was near what was going on in the 1800s and the 1900s in this country, in the 20s and 30s and 40s in this country, and in the 50s in this country. And I'm telling you as of right now, the conditions that you have with super commuters, with the conditions that you have where people, we have a growing homeless in America of women out in the street with children, of older women, past retirement age, on fixed income that can that cannot find a place to live. So here's what you have. Here are the vulnerable populations that you have right now. You have young adults, teenagers. I remember when I was in New York in 2015 and I couldn't believe how many young dudes I saw on the sidewalk it, back you know, near the train station in Queens. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wait, why is there so many young guys? So you have a rise in mental illness. You have younger people out in the street. You have military out in the street because we have not found a way with all of this support our troops, hashtags everywhere, support our troops. You haven't found a way to support your troops uh, vis-a-vis gainful employment. Then you have one of the most vulnerable populations, women, women with children out on the street. Hmm. Interesting. Then you have elderly. Retirement, people over 65 years old who cannot afford to be Americans any longer, even though they put in 30, 40 years into the system. Not people that were just hanging out on their behinds, collecting welfare checks, blah, blah, blah. No, no. People with actual pensions, but don't have an address. They actually have pensions, little pensions, stipends, because they worked. Did they, did they work great, great, great jobs? Maybe in its heyday it was, but because their wages have been stagnant over the last 40 years and has not been adjusted for the cost of inflation, et cetera, et cetera. That good job, the way it was in the 70s and 80s and 90s or whatever, isn't anything now. They have to make choices every day, rent, food. These are the choices that they have to make in the 30 day cycle, rent, food. Can't buy any new clothes, so you gotta keep washing what you have. Um, rent or food, can't do both. So you have a rising, rising food insecurity. So yeah, that's why these major media companies and your sports franchises love to see hashtag such and such lives and hashtag this. That keeps the conversation away from free market conversations. It keeps you from treating yourself like you're LeBron and deciding I'm gonna hold out. It's, it, it stops you from creating your own unions. Because now we, we've had a little increase in unions over the last year or so, right? People have felt like, okay, I'm working from home, I got my little PPP check, my little whatever pandemic check and people felt a little bit empowered to go, you know what, this may be a good time to speak about the ills that are going on with these companies. People have complained about horrible work conditions where they're being held to some sort of digital standard by some algorithmic computer. Artificial intelligence is telling them what their productivity is supposed to be. Well, the people are getting injuries on jobs because of the because of the uh, the quotas are, 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 are unmeetable and are excessive and are unreachable unreasonable quota setting based on computers saying, okay, if you're a 130 pound female between the ages of 19, 18 and 26, you should be able to do such and such amount with limited amount of, whoa, that's what's going on. That's what's been going on. So you explain to me how this 1886 riot, how these, the call for the eight hour work day, the the, 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 the implementation Of a May Day, May 1st, over the last hundred plus years. You tell me now what's really different. That's a problem, people. When I can speak to and I can read report after report, I can go online and look at newspaper articles and quotes from what people were saying about their work conditions in 1886. And then I'm reading reports from 2021. And they're parallel in the same country. What? uh, We have to do better. So, with that in mind, as I've said before in the beginning of this conversation, I'd like to give a special I stand in solidarity. I stand in observance and I hold my hand over my heart to stand in solidarity. With the workers of the world. With that, I bid you adieu until we speak again.